It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. All right, we're in the third hour. We haven't had one of these in a few weeks. I have certainly uh, had my time cut short the last couple of weeks for Bulldogs football, and that's okay. But we had uh, a few weeks there, consecutive weeks, where it was a noon kickoff. So that meant that uh, Greeny Growing was off the air at 8 o'clock. But ha, you can't get rid of me that easy. So we're back to a full show today. Uh, started with you at 6 o'clock this morning. Good morning if you're just waking up. It's the last hour of Green and Growing off the air at 9 o'clock. And, you know, Dave Baker is not going to be rushing me out of the studio today. Rather, you're going to have the Mark Aram Show. Mark and the Bananas setting up right now as we speak, set to broadcast live with Charles Kinney, our head engineer. They're setting up at the College Football Hall of Fame. So you should certainly go by and say hello. And where, you know, a great shrine, a great place to go today. If you're already in town for that big SEC championship game, the College Football Hall of Fame is going to be a fabulous place to go visit. But uh, Mark Aram has the microphone from 9 to noon, and then we'll start all of your pregame and tailgate coverage with the Georgia Bulldogs Radio Network at noon for that 4 o'clock game as the Bulldogs face off against the Alabama Crimson Tide. It's sure to be an exciting day. 404-872-0750. So a lot of you may have uh, reseeded the lawn for fescue back in the fall, and I'm proud of you if you did back in September, October. But boy, that is really a lot of work. You know, for those of you who have warm season lawns and everything's starting to go dormant, you know, the Bermuda and everything's starting to turn brown, you kind of kick things back a little bit. But once you reseeded with a fescue lawn, you had to stay on top of watering. You had to make sure you aerated properly. The seed didn't wash away and I filled in some bare spots. And uh, and my buddy Charlie, who was helping my husband and I with that, filled in some bare spots and fertilized it as well. You know, right around Thanksgiving was a good time to fertilize that fescue, toughen it up a little bit. It was growing so lush and so thick, so a good application of fertilizer certainly helps strengthen it, staying on top of that, making sure it gets watered in and all of that. But we've talked about in the top three uh, things to do in the landscape this weekend, me sharing my list with you, spot spraying and looking out for chickweed. Right. So if you did not reseed for fescue, you at least had something to do in the fall, applying a pre-emergent as early as August, especially probably by the middle to end of September. You needed to apply that pre-emergent. So you're not seeing those winter weeds now. But some of you are winter annual weeds like chickweed, violets and wild onions. So earlier in the show, the Georgia gardener, Walter Reeves, came on with me and we talked about weed control. I think it's a valuable conversation, uh, valuable enough to hear one more time. It can be associated with the color change in trees' leaves now, too. You know, the, the way the reason for tree leaves to change color is they have green chlorophyll on for almost all the year but on the trees. That's green chlorophyll is what we see, green leaves. Then when fall comes and the tree gets signals to, to change and to drop its leaves, the first thing it does is to move the chlorophyll back into the tree trunk, into the roots, leaving the red anthocyanins and yellow carotenoids and the other pigments that were hidden by green during the summer. What that tells us, too, is the tree, if there's any chemicals on the leaf of the tree, they would be drawn back just like the chlorophyll was. We don't want to kill trees, but we sure would like to kill privet. And privet hedge, if you put these weeds on, you mentioned weed be gone, weed killer, brush killer, things like that. If you use it now, you'll get much better control than you use it in the summertime. Now, we want the leaves to be dry, you know, when you apply something like that. Does it have to be in the sunshine? Does that accelerate the process at all or not really? A smidge, it doesn't really matter. Hmm. I said, what matters is get it on the plant, the tree, the, the, the shade of the sun is um, 
kind of leaves is not going to matter that much about absorption. So what kind of weeds are we tackling right now? What are we thinking about in terms of lawn weeds that we don't want? Broadleaf weeds. If you use a, a selective weed control like Weed Be Gone, you can kill dandelions and chickweed sprouts that are coming up. And by the way, they're coming up in my lawn right now. Uh, other broadleaf things can be taken out of the grass now before they even mature, before they even have a chance to mature. So broadleaf weeds are what we're looking to control in the fall. You've been doing this for 30 years, and you have some great references and resources that you've always used. And over time, I'm sure you have almost every weed identified and memorized. But whether it's a book or whether it's somewhere online, what are some of your really good go-to resources, Walter, for weed identification, especially the common ones here in Georgia? Yeah. Over the years, on my own website, WalterReads.com, I have collected pictures of weeds just to sort of remind myself what they are. And on the search line, you put weeds with pictures, those three words, weeds with pictures okay. on my search line on my website. It'll take you to a page that had all these different references of pictures of weeds. Pinterest, too, if you had a Pinterest scout. Do you have a Pinterest scout, Ashley? Gosh, that's one that I don't have, no. But I, I, I'm oh, sure well, it has some good resources. Well, I just go, you're doing this Walter Reed's Pinterest account, which tells oh. about how to control weeds. I got pictures there of individual weeds and a link to how to control them. So I figured, why not put on Pinterest too? So that you could look there for pictures of weeds. There you go. And I love, like you said on your website, WalterReeves.com, I found some really helpful when people are comparing weeds that look similar, you yeah. know, and they get them confused, yeah. but they're different. One of the best pictures I remember you posted, it was three weeds that if you're just looking in the yard, they look the same, but you posted all three side yeah. by side by side. And it's like, oh, they really are different. I think it was like creeping Charlie, dollar weed and dichondra and how similar they are, but really side by side, how different they are. They sure are. If you identify the enemy, let's say, if you identify the thing you're trying to control. If you know what you have, it's so much easier to decide what to do about it, whether it's just something you can pull up and not worry about, or whether it's something that will take the spray to get rid of. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Weed control now, we did discuss, uh, not too late to put it pre-emergent down. As we said, better late than right. never. you got to water that in as well, or put it down right before maybe a, a light rain, you know, not something that's right, going right. to pour and, and move everything into the sidewalk and run off into the gutters and all of that kind of thing. But broadleaf, post-emergent sprays and things like that, we could still be kicking around the yard using those things if necessary. Or kicking around a pasture or something. You have kudzu at the edge of the woods. You have blackberry vines you want to get under control. Or in English ivy on your own property. If you have English ivy, there'd be good times to spray English ivy to keep it from spreading and going any further. So, so many things right now, Walter's telling us that we could be treating, you know, this is an effective time of year to really tackle some invasive things, but also being, you know, very careful and selective and and treating the weeds in your lawn as well. For those of you who miss hearing from Walter, we will hear from him from time to time here on Green and Growing. He's going to step back from doing a weekly segment with me since I've been on the air since February of 2020. Walter Wonders was that segment at 6.30 every Saturday where I was picking Walter's brain, maybe with my questions or things that he was getting from all of you, a lot of questions and trends and patterns that he was seeing that were submitted. Uh, So we're not going to speak every week now, but yeah, for those of 
of you who aren't up early at 6.30, that's what you miss. What a treat to hear Walter again. So thank you for the good advice, Walter, about weed control. And uh, we talked about privet, treating English ivy, all those kinds of things. And, of course, those tough lawn weeds that you've got. 404-872-0750. We go to the phone. Scott in Atlanta. Hey, good morning, Scott. Good morning. What's going on? Not much. Uh, just well, first thing I want to do is thank you for your show. Uh, thank you know, you. listen to it uh, every weekend on the way to work, and it's helped me a lot with my yard. I oh, tell you, I, I'm so glad. I get a lot of great comments on on when to put out, uh, you know, uh, different things throughout the year to make sure it stays stays nice and green. And what grass but are you successfully is, growing right now? What lawn? Do yeah, you have? the biggest thing I had was that I had issues with um, ants, on, and this has happened here and in South Carolina, uh, and. I fought them with everything I had. I had, you know, granulates, the sprays, and, and they would just move from place to place, all over the place. And uh, I read an article that they can't follow a food trail if they have some kind of uh, citrus juice sprayed out on them. So I went and bought full-strength uh, lemon juice from the store and just mixed it in a five-gallon sprayer and sprayed it around the yard. I did read to make sure it did not damage your grass. It did not. And I have not had ants since. I mean, you see it in my neighbor's yard, but there's no ant mounds, no no ant trails, nothing since I sprayed that out. Wow, that's pretty effective, and that's a cheap and easy thing. You know, there are so many home remedies that folks, you know, recommend for that. Cinnamon, vinegar, lemon juice, and I'm sure the amount of acidity in the lemon juice that you used certainly is not enough to really be harmful to the grass or the flowers around it. But I think what that does, Scott, is kind of throws off their scent trail a little bit. So it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a repellent in that it may keep them away for some time, but I don't think it's going to get rid of them uh, for a long, long time. But thank you for sharing that. See, that's the kind of thing I like is hearing from all of you and what works for you and what you find successful. So Scott, thank you. Have a great weekend. I love that. So yeah, some other options, you know, perhaps some vinegar. That's a good household solution just to have for a number of different things. Cinnamon. Will it get rid of ants? Well, yeah, to a certain extent. They've done a lot of studies that reveal cinnamon has essential oil that can repel and maybe exterminate ants as well. Very interesting. 404-872-0750. When we come back, the top three things to be doing in the landscape this weekend, right now, that's timely and seasonal. And John in Atlanta has got a question about a wasp's nest. I certainly want to help him out. It's Ashley Frasca. You're listening to WSB. It's Scott Slate. Did you know you can listen to Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca on Saturday mornings on your smart speaker? And me too, weekday mornings. Just tell your smart speaker, play 95.5 WSB, and we're on. 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's news and talk. Here's Ashley. Thank you, Scott Slade. Your weekend weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. You know, we got to get this in because you want to know. Today is going to be beautiful. Just how beautiful? It's going to be sunny. It's going to be warm, even a little breezy. High around 70 degrees. So if you're out and about in downtown Atlanta, you just need a t-shirt, short sleeve shirt. That's it. You can leave the jacket at home. A chance for uh, later showers in the day tomorrow. High around 67. Lows only around 56. And then we're starting off the work week with rain. I'm sorry. Monday, Tuesday, at least through Wednesday. 404-872-0750. Lee calling from Jasper. Good morning. Hi. So what kind of issue do you have with weeds? Well, my issue is I have two long gravel driveways, and I keep getting weeds coming up, and I physically hand pull them, but I can tell that there's runner roots that go under the gravel, and I'm not up here all the time because I have a house in Atlanta, 
And so I'll come back in the summer and there'll be, you know, a ton of weeds and just physically pulling them up. It gets a little laborious. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah, and, and there was one area I didn't even do for, like, all last year. And then you can't blow all the, you know, two pounds of leaves off if they catch in all the weeds. So I'm trying to figure out something I could put down that will kill everything. <laughs> right. But, but won't necessarily run off, you know, too far into the, the sides where I do have some flowers and stuff. But I, I just don't want to have to keep pulling up weeds out of that driveway. So you got a couple of different options, Lee. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is obviously a non-selective herbicide, something like a Roundup, you know, something that you're spraying as you see the weeds. And that works directly on the leaves when it comes in contact with the plant. And then the plant takes it in from the leaves. And that's ultimately what kills it down to the root. That is safe to use as long as it's not a windy day. You're protecting things that are nearby that you don't want any drift or overspray to get onto. But if you're just with that nozzle getting right on top of the weeds you want to treat. Um, and also some people brine gravel pathways, you know, and, and brine is obviously just a salt solution and that's going to burn the weed immediately. But that is a little more risky of some runoff. You know, if that salt gets into the grass nearby or some other plants, that is going to be fatal uh, for other things as well. So being a little more careful with that. Um, I hate to make you do the work of like moving the gravel around and, and you know, shifting things around, but putting a garden fabric down first is always a good idea if you know this is going to be a place that's just always going to be rock or gravel or crush and run or something like that. Uh, garden fabric is really going to carry its weight and last for a number of years to at least keep some of the weeds at bay. Of course, you're still going to have some that pop up. And in thinking in preventative terms like that as well, um, preen. Preen is in a yellow bag. It's a pike nursery. It's a pre-emergent herbicide, so it's going to work to prevent weeds. And they say that it prevents weeds for up to three months, guaranteed. But preen is a good pre-emergent herbicide to get to those weeds before they germinate in rock gardens, in flower beds. It's not effective on lawns, but preen is something that's good for the area that you're talking about, or like I said, garden beds, flower beds, that kind of thing. So that may be something you want to invest in, a couple of bags of preen, Lee, and read the label directions, you know, follow that. You'll have to do it two to three times a year to make sure you're controlling the seasonal weeds that pop up. But there are a couple of options for you, of course. You know, be careful with any herbicide you, you um, apply, but I think something non-selective like a Roundup or something on a non-windy day is going to be the quickest and easiest. John in Atlanta. Anna, what to do about a wasp's nest and Jane and Kennesaw trouble with rabbits plus Pike Nursery. Brittany Harper coming up to talk about poinsettias. All of that next on WSB. Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. Welcome back to Green and Growing. A half hour left to go. And in just a few minutes, we're going to be talking to Pike Nursery about poinsettias. We're trying to keep it with the holiday theme. You know, some of the favorite plants that we really only get to enjoy one season a year. So you got to make the most of it. But first, some of your calls. And I want to follow up with Lee in Jasper, if you're still listening, Lee. Um, our friend Clint Waltz from the University of Georgia, turfgrass expert, saying uh, another herbicide option. You know, people cringe sometimes when we talk about Roundup being a non-selective herbicide. It's going to kill everything in its path. But he suggests the herbicide arsenal. 
Um, one of the primary ingredients in that is amazapir. Amazapir. Clint's going to pr- pr- uh, correct me if that's not right. But that would work on a gravel driveway as well. So the herbicide arsenal, that's just another option for you. So you've got four or five options there, Lee. I'm glad you called. That was a great question. Up next, Jane in Kennesaw. Good morning, Jane. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks for taking my call. Um, recently, many of my neighbors and I have had problems with rabbits. Mm-hmm. So this fall when I planted so many beautiful pansies and violas, they are all mowed down. Oh, gosh. Do you have any really good ideas about this? I, I do. Obviously, the first one, and this is probably on a bigger scale, not for residential homeowners like you and I, but, you know, the landscape companies that do the big pansy beds at the fronts of the subdivision, having that that hard to see, you know, metal mesh kind of thing roped over the pansies. And I know that may not be practical for you and I. So some products on the market, you know, and Jane, they people either swear by them and say that they work or people are just bound and determined like, no, I've tried everything and it doesn't work. So a couple of things for you. Um, Bonide, Bonide has their own line of deer and rabbit repellent. Um, and that's good. It's a granular. It's also a liquid. And the good thing about that is it is you know, not toxic, not harmful. It just serves as a repellent to keep them away because of the smell. And yeah, so one application of that could last up to two months. So the granular is going to stay in the soil for a while, really put out the emit the smell for up to two months. A lot of the sprays you have to think about, you know, when there's a rain or something like that, you're going to have to reapply. Um, Plant Skid is another one, the uh, the brand Plant Skid, and it ends in S-K-Y-D-D. That's a good repellent as well. That's made with dried blood. So actually, that's a huge deterrent to deer and rabbit. It is organic as well, and it lasts a long time. Um, it, it can withstand the rain and the snow and that kind of thing. So you've got a couple of options with Plant Skid, with Bonides Repellent, and also Liquid Fence. That's just another brand. You could find that at Pike Nursery as well. Um, and that's more of a spray, so you would have to be mindful about reapplying that. Okay. Well, with the Bonide granules, um, do you have to put that in the soil, or can you sprinkle it around and put pine bark on it, or... You can. How you, would I? Yeah, you sprinkle it around the base of the plants, you know, and it'll tell you the measurements of how much to use. And it doesn't hurt at all. If you put any kind of mulch or anything on top, it's going to be just fine. This is great. Yes. All right. Thank so, you. Yes. I'm really glad you called about that. And unfortunately, I know some folks are probably out there shaking their head being like, ah, I've used all of those and they don't work. But it just depends on your rabbits. It depends on their dietary wants and needs and, you know, how attractive your landscape is to that. But that's some good, safe products that you can certainly try. They're not harmful to the animals. They're safe to be around children and your cats and your dogs and all that kind of thing. So um, thank you for the call. Up next, John calling from Atlanta. Good morning, John. Welcome to the show. Hi, Ashley. Thanks a lot. Mm -hmm. I got this crazy thing that has showed up. I'm sure it's been there forever, but with the trees shedding all their leaves, we have arrived for Christmas, a huge wasp nest, the beautiful ones that are gray and stuff like that. I'm, I got a couple of questions. One of them is, are the wasps still in there, or did they build that and gone now? Or, And the second one, more important, is what do I do with this thing? Now, I, I want to make sure I know the difference of what you're identifying, because I think I made this mistake, and my listeners on, on the Facebook page certainly corrected me. Is it kind of the football-shaped 
um, yep. wooden looking big structure. Okay, so that's a hornet's nest. Um, I made the mistake that of too. saying a wasp's <laughs> nest too. Yeah, and the wasps are more of that honeycomb looking thing, you know, the smaller thing that they'll yeah. build in no, the corner. this is, okay, hornet's nest. Yeah, so Good a hornet's deal. nest. And it's amazing because they stay so busy throughout the summer. They strip wood off of fences. They strip bark off of trees. And once that is wet and it's put together, that creates this big football-looking thing hanging in your tree. And yes, I alarmingly found one in my magnolia this summer. Um, what happened to mine, John, and, and what may very well happen to yours, too, with all the rain that we had over the summer, mine just got so saturated that it literally fell out of the tree, smashed onto the driveway, and all of the hornets flew away. Um, but the good news is, for now, for you, and unless it's an area where children... And, you know, your pets congregate. If it's not bothering you, I wouldn't bother it because they're not going to overwinter. The queen and the hornets are not going to survive the winter. So they're probably already kind of starting to die off slowly but surely. Um, So I'd leave it. And then if you really do want to go after it and tackle it, you know, the best time to use like a wasp or hornet spray is in the evening when they've all returned to the nest. Leave it for a couple of days after it's been sprayed and then just put a big trash bag up around it and, and remove it from the tree and take it down. Okay, that's great. Great yeah. idea. The other, I got one more problem, and that is that it's way high. Yeah. Way, I, I can't reach it. So, so in I that guess case, it's going to have to naturally fall off. Yeah. So, so no news is good news there, John. That's easier for you. Yeah. Just let it be. Um, they, huh, let it be. No pun intended. Um, they, they will not overwinter. They'll certainly start to die away. And when it falls, it'll be empty like mine was when it finally just got so saturated and fell out of the magnolia tree. Um, it's going to be empty. So you'll be able to just sweep it right up. Thank you so much for the call. 404-872-0750. Up next, we've got Brittany Harper calling from Pike Nursery joining us this morning. Good morning and happy holidays, Brittany. Good morning. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. And I am thrilled. You were up early, of course, knowing you were going to be on the show today, but you heard my interview with little Addie, the Holly Springs Elementary student who grew a 20-pound head of cabbage. Was that not the cutest thing? It was. Yeah, I heard your interview and I saw the photo on Facebook and I said, holy moly. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that big. who doesn't love kids gardening? So y'all have to go back and listen to that for sure. If any of you missed the seven o'clock hour of my interview with her, she is the Georgia winner of, you know, a nationwide contest. They uh, Bonnie plants had a winner in every state and little Addie won for Georgia by growing this 20 pound cabbage. She said it took three or four months and her parents helped her with it. That was pretty fantastic. So um, this, Brittany, what we're going to talk about today is not something that we have to grow. It's already grown for us, comes in so many different colors, and Pike Nursery is spilling over right now with poinsettias, right? That's absolutely right. Love them. A classic Christmas flower. Um, and, and, you know, it's not even really flowers. The colored petals are bracts. They're just leaves that started to change color. But give us some care tips. If we were to receive those as a gift or give those a, uh, as a gift, how long they're going to last and how we can best, you know, substantiate their time with us. Yeah, well, first of all, you're, you want to know that your poinsettias are actually tropical plants. They will not do well in the cold winters outside in our uh, region here. So you want to make sure you keep them inside. You might be tempted to play, you know, put them outside on your porch with your other decorations by your entryway or something, but don't do it because they will not last. So you want to keep those inside where it's nice and warm. They do like a consistent temperature between, 
you know, 60, 75 degrees, which is about, you know, well within the range of what we usually keep our houses around this time of year. So uh, keep them nice and warm and you want to keep them away from drafty windows and doors. So if you've got, you know, cold windows, those leaves touching the window panes are not great. Keep them away from the doors where you're constantly coming and going. Those cold drafts, they don't like that either. Yeah, be Um, mindful too. Like, you know, if you're using the fireplace a lot over the winter time, if you leave that flue open, that cold draft is going to come down the chimney and if you have them set up on the hearth or something like that keep that in mind but uh, Brittany we know a lot of our plants don't like wet feet like a lot of plants roots can't sustain sitting in water and I'm glad you and I talked about this off the air you know they come wrapped in the nice little foil you know gold or red or whatever to make them look a little more festive Um, is it more harmful to leave that foil wrapping on or what do we need to be careful about you definitely can use decorative foil wrapping. I mean, the whole point is you're decorating for the holidays and making everything look cute. Um, but it's important to remember poinsettias are one of those plants that don't like wet feet. They do not like to be sitting in water. So you may not think about it because out of sight, out of mind. But when you're watering that poinsettia, if you leave that foil wrapping on, excess water that drains out the bottom of the, the plastic pot that it's in is just going to sit in that wrapping. And then you've got you know a problem where you could potentially... Uh, kill your poinsettia before the end of the season. So when you're watering, take them out of the foil wrapping, uh, let them, you know, put them in the sink or something, water them, let them fully drain out, and then put them back in that foil wrap. Good advice. Certainly good advice. And they'll start to show you signs, folks, if they're staying a little too wet by, you know, the leaves will start to wilt and then yellow and and you can you can save it. It'll it'll rebound for sure. Um, give us some of your favorites, the different colors and the different types that y'all have in the nurseries right now. Yeah, I mean, Pike has probably about 20 different varieties to choose from. So, you know, that traditional, gorgeous, vibrant red is just so lovely. just really pops against your green Christmas tree. But, you know, there's so much more color out there um, in varieties these days from folks creating new different varieties and cultivars. Um, Colors range from pink to, to white and yellow and gold and peach and bicolored options with variegations. I mean, there's so many different ones out there. Some of my favorite, I would say one of my favorite is Tapestry. And it's got sort of a solid cherry red color, kind of bright red. But the leaves, the green leaves are actually variegated. So it has some green and yellow in there. So you sort of have like a tri-color effect. It's just really fun and funky. And I like that one. Now, back when I was a kid, all I remember is red poinsettias. We've come a long way. (laughs) (laughs) There's so many. Another favorite of mine is called Marble, and it definitely has a little more sophisticated look to it. It's sort of an ivory color brack, and on the edges, and it's got this soft pink center. They almost look like they've been, like, painted with watercolors. They're just very, very pretty and calming looking, and I really like those. Um, And then another one, you know, you talked about seeing them when you were a kid. I think kids will like this one. It's called Red Glitter, and so it's got uh, you know, the solid red on the bracts, but it's kind of flecked with like a, a creamy white, oh, yeah. almost like it was caught in a snowstorm. So it's just got like a fun, energetic look to it. So if you um, have kids, maybe show them that variety. They might be interested in, in choosing that one to decorate with. Now, again, then, going back to my memory of, of being a young kid, uh, I was so enthralled with a beautiful red poinsettia when I was about two or three years old that I just went over and munched on it. My mom said she freaked out. She called poison control. She's like, what is my two-year-old doing? She's not the brightest. Um, So true or false, I kind of want to talk about one of those rumors. Are they poisonous? Are they toxic? I'm so glad you asked that question. So the answer is 
fall. So the toxicity of poinsettias has really been exaggerated so much over the past few years. Um, now, I don't want to say that they are not, pro- you know, not, you know, somewhat toxic. They ha- they are, they are mildly irritating, I would say. So when you, if you break off a leaf or a stem on there, you'll see this white milky sap that kind of beads up on the the broken part. That's the part that is um, irritating. So if your child or a pet eats one of those, that sap is what's going to be, you know, it's going to irritate their mouth or their skin where they've touched it. Mm. And it will cause an upset stomach, especially like in a small dog or I've had one of my cats munch on a poinsettia (laughs) and, you know, they eat it. And then they, a couple minutes later, it comes right back up. Yeah, that's their body's um, way of saying, uh uh-uh. That's the extent of the harm is that it's just going to cause a little bit of an upset stomach. You know, if you, if, if you have a pet that eats like your entire poinsettia, then yes, you have a, you you know, you have a problem, but that is so rare that that happens because poinsettias also have a really bad taste. So your, your pets are not going to want to eat that whole thing. (laughs) They might eat a couple leaves before they say, this is gross. Yeah. So (laughs) in, in thinking about where these are grown, you know, they are a little more tropical, Brittany, we only have about a minute left. Um, So no longer are we bringing them in from Mexico Are the ones you all carrying locally grown? Correct. Yeah. So we have growing facilities. Um, we have one in Ringgold, Georgia, huh. in North Georgia, um, about 30, 20, 30 minutes from Chattanooga. And we grow a lot of plants up there, including this season, we're growing about 12,000 wow. poinsettias that we're distributing to all of our retail stores. So I can tell so you folks, no shortage of poinsettias in the Pike Nursery stores <laughs> right now. Exactly. No shortage of Christmas trees. You still have plenty of time to go get your live tree five or six different kinds that Pike Nursery has. And really quickly, Brittany, I want you to let folks know about the social media photo contest for the month. What do y'all have going on? Yeah, so around this time every year, you we have a contest on Instagram. So take pictures of you and your family picking out your Christmas tree at Pike or decorating it once you get home and share it on Instagram and tag us at Pike Nurseries. Uh, and make sure you follow our account at Pike Nurseries. And we're doing a drawing to give away two uh, $100 Pike gift cards. So Instagram at Pike Nurseries, share your tree photo, and then we'll do the drawing around uh, the uh, December 10th for a Great. I will share that on my social media as well follow me on facebook green and growing wsb for all the details of how to get in on this contest for pike nursery just taking a picture of your family at pike nursery enjoying some cider shopping the trees Brittany harper thank you so much for joining us learned a lot about poinsettias we'll be right back with a call from bill a question about leaving the leaves in the yard and wrapping things up here on green and growing on wsb it's Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on 95.5 WSB. The news, weather, and traffic team will be here first thing Monday morning to help you get back to work on time and informed. Now back to Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca on 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's News and Talk. Good Saturday morning. Just a couple more minutes to wrap up the show before I hand things off to the Mark Aram Show. Mark Aram and the Bananas broadcasting live from 9 to noon. That's an awfully early time for them on a Saturday morning from the College Football Hall of Fame here in Atlanta. But I wanted to talk to Bill quickly. What is your question? It's a good one. Ashley, I got leaves on my yard. I know everybody bleeds and clean up the leaves to keep it pretty. But I'm wondering, is there some natural benefit or harm of leaving leaves on your lawn? I have a centipede for the winter. 
Sir, I love that question, and I'm going to tell you there's absolutely no harm whatsoever, especially in those warm season lawns like Centipede, like Bermuda. They're dormant anyways, so they don't need the sunshine requirements right now. They have a lot less demand for water, so the fact that the leaves are going to stay on those actually serve a lot of useful purposes. Eventually, they'll break down. They'll return nitrogen to the soil, which is always a good thing, and also help overwintering insects. Nothing harmful to the lawn, but just the insects that are looking for that insulation over the winter time, and then kind of the cycle of life. Birds will be able to come to your yard, pick through those insects, meet their dietary needs and all of that. So I love the idea of just leaving them alone, Bill. Thank you so much for the call. My thanks to Brent and Anne for being here this morning. I'm going to stay on with Mark Aram for just a little bit to talk about your Georgia Bulldogs. It's a big day, Atlanta, and for the state of Georgia as well. So if you're traveling on the roads today, please be careful. There's going to be a lot of folks coming in from the West as well. Stay tuned for the Mark Arab Show. First up, news right here on 95.5 WSB. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.